0: Good morning everybody and welcome. It's wonderful to look out on a packed church this morning and I think I'd like us to start together by singing two songs really to just enjoy our praising God together this morning, to acknowledge his presence here with us today, to acknowledge to him that we are seeking him, that he is precious to us, precious to the point where he is our only true object of affection or at least should be so we're going to start with we bow down and confess and then we're going to go uh, straight after that into Lord you are more precious than silver so if you will stand with me and sing together Lord you are more precious than silver and more costly than gold and Lord we desire you more than anything else and sometimes Lord when we don't desire you we want to desire you more Lord we come to you now to ask for your blessing on this morning I want to thank you and praise you that you are here with us that we have this opportunity to meet together in love and in fellowship and at the same time Lord as the rain beats on the outside of our building and we stay warm and dry we remember those people whose lives have been devastated by the flooding in the Lake District Lord I pray that you will continue to support them and care for them at the hand of others and I pray, Lord, that somehow these, the people that have been affected will find ways to use this experience to turn to you, to turn their circumstances into praising you. And Father, I also want to remember the victims and the families of the bomb attack on the Russian train this week. Lord, we ask for Your peace, for your comfort, for where possible your healing. Lord, thank you that you promise you will be with us, and we ask that we will feel your presence, we'll feel your hand this morning in the things that we do. Lord, I enjoyed singing those songs, and it sounded lovely from here, and I really hope that it made you happy to hear us singing those words as well. Lord, stay with us. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Gladys remains in the MRI. She is now on ward AM1. Yesterday afternoon, she was moved to a side room, bed 11. She is disappointed about this, as she preferred the company of being in a larger bay, She's a bit fed up, having been in hospital for two weeks and does appreciate visits. AM1 visiting hours are 1 to 4pm and 6 to 8pm. Good to see Mary with us this morning, who is looking forward to finishing her treatment, which seems to have gone fairly well overall. Lots of other people to remember in our prayers and anything positive and practical that we can do to help them. John and Kate Fain have a busy time at this time of year. As they are busy busy with their business and need to be open on Sundays, they are looking forward to being able to be back with us next week and having a bit of a rest. Think about other people such as our brother John in the Congo, Ben and Debbie, Simon Dunnegan, Jude and Neil, Pauline, Rachel Campion and probably many other people who are close to us individually. We remember Pete and Christine and Mike and Lucy and other members of Pete's family. Theo has managed to infect his grandma and his dad with a stomach bug. So Johnny Nesta and Debbie are all recovering today. And there are other people who are not here because they are also suffering in some way. So remember them in our prayers too. We think about our pregnant mums. And we've been asked to pray for Nikki, a youth church mum who is in hospital and for her family. Is there anything else that we should pray about together? Okay, if you remain where you are, that's for these people to God in prayer Father in heaven we've heard about lots of people who have all sorts of problems and issues to deal with in their lives particularly to deal with their own health and well-being I pray, Father, that you will inspire us, empower us, help us to do as much as we can, to go as far as we can to make your love real to them in the ways that you tell us are most appropriate and fitting. And we pray, Father, that where there are things that we are Powerless or unable to do but you're there you 'll be there to make up the difference, Father for all of us and particularly for these people we 've mentioned, help us to trust in you when human help seems to be of no avail. Give us your eternal perspective on the things that happen. Keep the hope in us alive that your kingdom is real and that Jesus is coming soon and that these things although they fill our lives sometimes with care and worry and hurt we'll all be wiped away when Jesus comes again and we live with you forever Amen Thank you Richard
0: Richard Instone is here to encourage us this morning and he's drawing his thoughts from The first two chapters of the letter to the Hebrews, and so Nancy is going to come and read that for us, that's Hebrews 1 and 2.
2: In the past God spoke to our forefathers, through the prophets, at many times, and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. is superior to theirs for to which of the angels did God ever say you are my son today I have become your father or again I will be his father and he will be my son and again when God brings his firstborn into the world he says let all God's angels worship him in speaking of the angels he says he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last for ever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation we must pay more careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away for if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking, But there is a place where someone has testified What is man that you are mindful of him The son of man that you care for him You made him a little lower than the angels You crowned him with glory and honour And put everything under his feet In putting everything under him God left nothing that is not subject to him Yet at present we do not see everything subject to him But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers he says I will, declare you, I will declare your name to any brothers in the presence of the congregation I will sing your praises and again I will put my trust in him and again he says here I am and the children God has given me since the children have flesh and blood he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he may destroy him who holds the power of death that is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death for surely it is not angels he helps but Abraham's descendants for this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Amen.
0: Thank you, Nancy. Richard, please come and encourage us.
3: It's a pleasure to be with you once again. And uh, no, uh, no hiccups on the way this time, which is unusual. I had a hiccup just before I set off. My, uh, one of my small dogs decided to roll in something rather disgusting that it had found while we were out walking. So, and I'm told by a colleague at school that... Uh, The reason dogs do this is to uh, disguise themselves as foxes. Uh, If you've met our little dog Jack, you'll realise he's a long way off being the size of a fox, certainly a wolf. Uh, But I'm one of these days going to do an exhortation on the subject, disguising yourself as the enemy, um, and see where that takes us. But for this morning, um, these are very powerful words, aren't they really, uh, in Hebrews? Because the, the, the writer, and um, I know he doesn't do the salutation of Paul at the beginning and he doesn't do the, the, doesn't do the final closing greeting of Paul at the end uh, so a lot of people think it probably isn't Paul but uh, for the sake of argument I think we'll call the writer Paul today um, I, and I think there's a, re- a very powerful reason why Paul could have written this letter when you look at the argument that he presents here, which is, um, I've entered that really awkward phase of life where I can't see you if I take my glasses off and I can't see my text if I put them on, so uh, I'll go with the, seeing the text actually. Um, but I know, that, I know that you're with me and I can see your smiles through the haze. Um, but Paul has a particular reason to write to the Hebrews about why they should... Stick with what they have come to. Um, And he, of all people, had a a very powerful uh, example in his life of of what he's saying here in uh, chapter 1. Because uh, he encapsulates what he's saying really by saying God spoke to the fathers of Israel in a variety of ways. And at many different times. And... And so um, assimilating and appreciating and really crystallising the message of what they had to say was really quite um, a tricky thing to do. And it presented many challenges that uh, that people reacted to in different ways. Um, What would they point to? Uh, What would they use to try to sum up the main import of God's words for them. I mean based on the Old Testament. And very much like ourselves. They would have their favourite parts. Uh, of course there was a, a body of believers. Who only accepted Torah. They only accepted what we call the Pentateuch anyway. So they said well you can't go anywhere other than the books of Moses. To seek guidance and to seek insight into what God wants for us. So they were very much rooted in, in Genesis to Deuteronomy. Maybe like some of us. Um, and then there were those who, who favoured the poetic writings. Um, in particular, uh, of course, Psalms, uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. But then there's Job as well, which is a sort of dramatic, maybe allegorical working out of, of God's dealings with, with people and, and they would claim well, well you, you've got to look there for a fuller picture um, as, as to what God um, intends for us and then uh, there are those who like a bit of prophecy um, uh, who would look towards the, uh, towards the end of the Old Testament uh, to gain insight into God's dealings with his people then and in the time to come and again I suppose they may well find their mirror uh, in our uh, day and in our community so I suppose you pay your money you take your choice there were were all these different aspects of God and his revelation and there were different uh, emphases to be found there and different people would turn to different bits and all these had their place as Paul no doubt acknowledged because he was rooted he was founded in those very things his his whole life was built on those things but as the writer writes to the hebrews he says god had chosen a yet more perfect way to reveal himself to that generation and that was in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in the very person of his son but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe and so while not discounting those things that had come before Paul the writer says clearly very clearly whatever value whatever virtue that is of here is the perfect revelation of the Lord God and it is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and the status of the Lord Jesus can't be more highly evoked or described here he is the heir of all things it is he who has been appointed to to inherit all things and it is him through whom or by whom or for whom the universe was made and as heir to all things Jesus was clearly in the mind and the purpose of the father from the very start of all things. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word the writer expresses it that way in verse 3 of Hebrews 1 and the, the relationship of, of the Son with the angels or the angels with the sun is, is also clearly portrayed isn't it they are to worship to serve him, ultimately. He makes his angels winds, his servant flames of fire. The angels, the ministers, the, the deliverers of the word, they were the messengers. They were there in creation, weren't they? They were the, uh, the Elohim there are those who say that when it says let us make man in our image that that it it is them that are being spoken of They they were powerful instruments of God's will but that's the I suppose the extent of their role so much more is spoken of so much more is promised to the Son and indeed to all those who are called the children of God by association with the Son who is heir to all things it was all about the Son it was all based on the Son it was all centred around The son. And so at the birth of the son. The angels rejoiced. Because. It was in him. And it was at this point that their work in creation. Had its fulfillment. At the resurrection of the son. The angels. Rejoiced as God's work in him. Was further accomplished. At his ascension to be with his father. The angels again further mediated. God's purpose to the. Uncomprehending disciples. So what about. At his return. They've been everywhere. So far haven't they. Surely they will be there. Again. This time. Proclaiming to those who will listen. That the son of God. Is once again come. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Surely it will be the angels who will will herald, who will proclaim, He is come again. What a message they will bear. The sonship of the Lord Jesus Christ is is touched on, isn't it, back in the the second Psalm. It's touched on in Hebrews. And I suppose it's interesting to surmise when in the life of the Lord Jesus these words were pronounced I suppose you could say at, at any stage. Or was it when he took on himself the role that had been allocated to him? I don't know. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. at Psalm 2 and verse 7. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces. Like pottery. You are my son. Today I have become your father. Was it at his birth? Was it at his inception, conception? Or was it... At that point where. Recognising all that it signified. Recognising all that it meant. More than ever. The pronouncement was made to the Lord Jesus. At the point of his baptism. When. He realised. That even he. Would submit himself to that. To that rite. To that ritual. To show his obedience in all things and to show a perfect example to those who watched and those who would come when he took on the full implications of sonship knowing where that would lead and so the writer writes to the hebrews given all these marvellous attestations to the, the nature and the greatness of the Sun, be careful so that you don't drift away we must, pay, we must pay more careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away He was writing to Hebrews. He was writing to Hebrews. Who had come to a belief. In the Lord Jesus Christ. But who were nonetheless. Hebrews. And, and Paul himself could attest to the fact that. that there were very many. Echoes and, and overtones. Of, of what he had come to know and believe. That, that still played on his mind and on his thinking and for some maybe risked pulling them away they were taken with their patriarchs weren't they with the histories of their fathers chief among them I suppose Abraham and Moses the law given unto the law given by Moses. That old, established way of doing things. This salvation which was first announced by the Lord, and he's talking about the Lord Jesus there, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. And that's I suppose one of the Reasons that very verse why people aren't sure whether it's by Paul at all because this message was confirmed to us by those who heard him and people say well surely the apostle Paul heard Jesus speaking to him on the Damascus road and yet as I indicated at the start I feel that Paul of all people would have had the greatest motivation for writing thus. It wasn't angels who appeared to me to reveal the will of God for me and my life. It was the very son of God who spoke to me on Damascus Road. Just as Peter had blurted out in his fearfulness his own ideas on the mountain of transfiguration and the voice had come This is my beloved son, listen to him. So Paul had been powerfully hauled away from his fondly held views about the role of the old order of things and its its preeminence on that day, on that journey the law was revealed to Moses but the great salvation was revealed in the very person of the Lord Jesus and this is the greatest challenge I suppose to those Hebrews in the message of this salvation and the writer cites Psalm 8 to indicate What man had been created for. And the height. From which he had fallen. For surely Psalm 8 conveys the the original intent of God in, in Eden. And which had been surrendered by sinfulness. What is man that you are mindful of him. The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honour. And put everything under his feet. And the man who was given dominion over everything else that God had created. So soon abused that position. so soon took of the one thing that he was not to take of for his own ends and thus ruptured the the union with the creator and that I suppose has been the story ever since. And this was the challenge, wasn't it? Of the one that, that God had appointed. That he would win back for humankind that glorious, glorious role to which he had been created. That he would be there in that position of preeminence once again. Not by his own virtue. Talking of fallen humankind now. But by the virtue of association. By the virtue of brotherhood. With the one who has won it back. And he has won it back. And that is the, that's the victory, isn't it? Of, of Hebrews 2. That mankind is restored again. In the person of the Lord Jesus. Son of God. But son of man. Man is once again restored to that glorious position. And that's what we are invited to be elevated to. By our association with him. By our very brotherhood. With the son of God. and yet for some it was too great a challenge for some they still couldn't get their minds round suffering messiahship they couldn't see the association between God's chosen one and the suffering that it entailed (laughs) Hadn't they read Isaiah 52 and 53? Or did they just. Did they not make that link? Did they not see that that could be Messiah? That the suffering servant couldn't also be the Messiah? Or Psalm 22. And the writer here is quite plain that it is because of the suffering. That the elevation to glory came. You made him a little lower than the angels. Or for a little while. You crowned him with glory and honour. And put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him. God left nothing that is not subject to him. (coughs) Doubtless that was the promise. That the Lord Jesus could have taken hold of. And abused in his mortal days hence the strength of the temptation take the kingdom now everything was made available to him and he said no that is not the way now yet at present we do not see everything subject to him it's not happened It's not to happen yet. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death. You Hebrews, you believers who are struggling with this concept, there it is. It is his suffering that has made him achieve this glory to which he has now been elevated. So that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. He's stressing time after time here the family, the kinship of those who believe with the son and hence their relationship to the father so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers he says I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation I will sing your praises and again I will put my trust in him And again he says. Here am I. And the children. God has given me. The man who denied himself. The earthly satisfaction. Of family. Of offspring and progeny. Looking upon that multitude of the saints and being told these are your children this is the family that you purchased that you have won back through your victory It's the challenge of Hebrews 2. Bind up the testimony and seal up the law among my disciples, writes Isaiah. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. There were times of such immense challenge. To be a true believer in Israel, in Judah of that day. Imagine it. Holding on to your true faith. When the throne fell, when the kingdom fell, when the people fell. When God hid his face from the house of Jacob. And yet the appeal is there. Put your trust in him. Here am I and the children the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord Almighty who dwells on Mount Zion. Here am I and the children the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols. That's the challenge to us. Here we are. Children given to the Lord Jesus as part of His victory. We have signs and symbols still among us which speak of His victory but we speak very loudly and powerfully too of the challenge that remains for us what sort of sign and symbol of the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ are you what sort of symbol am I What sort of a challenge am I to the Lord Jesus Himself to continue calling me His brother? As we come now to contemplate again what was achieved on our behalf, we look at ourselves. he shared our humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death that is the devil, that is sin and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death that's what we have been freed from now we consider the life that we have been freed to and the challenges that that brings to us
0: thank you Richard I'd like to sing now as a as a way of recommitting ourselves to that challenge recommitting ourselves to being signs and symbols in our lives, recommitting ourselves to taking our place as brothers and sisters of Christ, as children given to Christ. I'm just going to sing, "Into Your Hands I Commit Again."
4: Those words we've just sung, Lord, are hard for us to sing but we want to be committed to you Lord and we thank you for this time we can meet as a family before you you know all our hearts you can see our very being Lord and we've been thinking this morning of how we are exhorted not to drift in our lives and it's so easy to drift Lord drift because of attractions around us drift because of pressures that we come under that we can't cope with and we question things that really we know to be true so we thank you for this bread before us now Lord something we can take hold of and helps us to realise that Jesus was committed to us that he came and became a faithful and merciful high priest to bring us back to you to open the way for us and that way is there now and we thank you for it we thank you Jesus for your commitment and your faithfulness and your mercy and Father we thank you for your grace and your love so as we take this bread Lord help us to resolve to focus more on your commitment to us and may that in turn Encourage us to be more committed to you in the future.
0: Amen. Jesus' body, the bread of life, the symbol of his church. Before we share this wine, Derek is going to give our thanks.
5: Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time together. We have been very forcibly reminded by Richard this morning of our relationship with you, a wonderful relationship, brothers and sisters, a wonderful family in Christ. Our mind often, during our day-to-day lives, cannot conceive of the importance of that relationship that promise that when Jesus returns we will have that wonderful relationship in your kingdom which will be free from all pain, suffering and death so what a a moment we have day by day to reflect on the blessing of our relationship with you Heavenly Father and with the Lord Jesus and particularly now with Jesus as we remember the suffering he went through at that time and the blood he shed on our behalf we are truly thankful for this one now Heavenly Father we are truly thankful Lord Jesus for the sacrifice you made we pray that as we do walk forward to that time when we will be all together we do pray that day by day we will try the harder to serve you to reflect on your promises and to encourage one another not only that to Encourage those people we meet in our day-to-day lives. So at this time we are so thankful. We are very, very richly blessed. we thank you again for this this time to reflect on how blessed we are as we take this wine. And thank you for it, Heavenly Father.
0: Amen of our Saviour Jesus and a symbol of a new covenant and the new kingdom that he brings I hope that this week we will invite other people to listen to the story the story that we know so well I hope that we will open our lives and our hearts to share the music that we can hear and invite other people to dance with us to the beat of God's drum. I heard uh, the other week of a church that has a sign above the doors you're going out which says, you are now entering your mission field. We've got three songs to close with. I hope all three of them encourage us into this week to walk like Jesus as he dwells in us. May the mind of Christ my Saviour live in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all I do and say and then we're going to sing All My Days to encourage us to live knowing that joy of sins forgiven of conscience cleansed of death defeated and life without end and then finally A song of celebration, Jesus, we celebrate your victory. So, if you'll join me singing these songs together.
6: Hello, brother. Hello, father. So, this is family. This is relationship. This is love. This is what freedom feels like. Whatever we think, whatever we say, whatever we do, in these coming days, help us to remember our freedom. Help us to remember your grace. And help us to remember we don't have to achieve Help us to remember you love us anyway. And Lord, in everything we do, help us show that to the people outside. The people outside your love. So that they've got to know about it. We know you will give us your strength if we let you in. Our hearts are open. Releasing us from fear. Help us remember our freedom. This week. Until you return Lord Jesus. Amen.